Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills. And today I'm here with Laura, and we're going to talk about public speaking, and uh, we're going to talk about the body and uh, authenticity in public speaking. So how's it going, Laura? I'm good. Great. So what do you want to tell us about today? Okay. So today we're going to talk about how public speaking situations are performance art. Um, and we're going to talk about how confidence through authentic like body movements and unplanned gestures um, make for a good main point of speech um, and the emotional state of the audience. Um, also, we're going to talk a lot about how we shouldn't um, do distracting behaviors or unruly movements um, to kind of bring in your audience. Okay, so uh, I'm a master of unruly movements. <laughs> so... Um, what are the exercises, or what are the, the kinds of things we do want to do before we get to the unruly movements? So we want to identify um, our public speaking situation and understand kind of the importance of the body. Um, we The speaker shouldn't be rehearsed, but rather authentic. So this uses the body to align with the emotional state of the speech and avoids those distracting behaviors. Um, and kind of to do this, I have a little bit of an example. So I did speeches in elementary school. Um, and I would rehearse and rehearse over and over again. So I would learn the speech when I first started. And then as I grew up, I had a speech teacher, Miss Ginger, and she would say the, that I could say the speech over and over so I would know it, but I would have to do it in different voices and in different gestures and postures. Um, so I wouldn't be so monotone, but also so I'd have really authentic hand movements. Um, so this all together came um, effortlessly, I think, to me after a while. Um, I would do authentic movements because it didn't seem as rehearsed um, and I was comfortable with my audience but also like with my voice and with my body um, and that comfortability um, led to the more authentic kind of speech I would like to do and um, that authenticity I think has led me to succeed in things that I'd like to do in public speaking in my future. So I often get, uh, I had to do this presentation the other day or well, a few weeks ago to the faculty of engineering and the engineering professors wanted to know what they could do with their bodies that were more like what actors do. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it's important that we note that yes, public speaking is a performance art, but it is not acting. It's very, very different than acting. So uh, artificial manipulations of your body wouldn't necessarily help. The audience in a public speaking moment is acutely kind of aware, acutely attuned to your own kind of physiological state. And so how you represent yourself bodily uh, will um, be or, or will match uh, your kind of internal sense of self or your internal emotional state. So if uh, those things, if you're nervous, you display nervousness. Um, you're, the, it's, it's in public speaking at least, um, audiences are keen detectors of fakeness. Uh, and if you're trying to fake something, they'll know it and it'll come off as odd or unusual or uh, awkward somehow. So striving for authenticity just means representing your own internal state accurately uh, instead of in some sort of faux or fake or um, in some sort of fake way. 
Yeah, of course. And I think that there's master the masters in this that um, do exist. When I was thinking about how I could perceive my confidence um, and show my own voice and personality, I thought a lot about different people who masterfully do this. Um, and one of them to me is Oprah. Um, and though she, um, Oprah's speeches, I think, seem really, really great for two different reasons. Um, the first one is she uses a different type of speech than we're normally used to, um, Amer African-American vernacular English. So um, she brings that richness to her speeches, but she also has this warmth in her voice and the style um, of her body kind of demands that attention and um, her speech is aided quite significantly by her body language. And even kind of in the interviews that she did um, when she had a talk show, um, she would look comfortable and be comfortable in her situation. Um, but also you could notice when she wasn't comfortable but still wanted to ask the pressing questions. Um, and I think that led her um, interviewee to kind of want to answer the questions and then they were comfortable where they were. Um, but it also led her audience and then the people kind of around the world that were watching on the TV to literally like lean in and want to learn um, the same things as her. So I have another, I was thinking about this as another more mundane example, but I have to go to a wedding in a couple of weeks. And if you've ever, if you're listening, you've been to a wedding, uh, there are often speeches in the weddings and sometimes the father or the groom or the best man or the maid of honor or whoever delivers a speech. And oftentimes that's a person who's not uh, comfortable giving speeches. It's not a normal tactic. It's not something they normally do. Um, and then in the speech itself, the person might get uh, choked up or teary or might appear nervous because they're not used to giving speeches. Uh, but all that can be actually really charming in a wedding because the, it's a display of authentic emotion. The person is nervous or emotional because of the wedding. And so the audience will forgive a slip up. They don't care if you don't get the wording exactly right. Uh, because there's this kind of authentic display of emotion that charms the audience and uh, kind of lets the audience lean in to, to the moment. It would be much more awkward if a perfectly polished speech was given at a wedding with no kind of emotional resonance to it. You'd be wondering, well, doesn't this person feel anything about this wedding? Why are they so wooden, even if it was a perfectly delivered speech? Um, so that authenticity can manifest itself in any one of a number of different scenarios. But you're right, yeah, Oprah is another example of someone who appears kind of authentically warm, and that can kind of be easily communicated to an audience, and it can also sort of forgive or allow for, um, uh, not mistakes is the wrong word, but allow for the delivery of unpolished speech um, that is still warmly received. I think sometimes unpolished speech is the way to go, and I think we have to realize that public speaking is not just um, going in front of a huge audience and explaining something um, masterful, but more so it's like in our classrooms and in our daily life when we're speaking to audiences that may be smaller, um, you have to really connect with each one of them, and there's a lot of bodily things you can do, like eye contact, um, or kind of inviting them in with your hand gestures. Um, but on top of that, I think more so, um, what's really important is being able to find examples that connect to the audience that you're with, um, and then use your bodily gestures to kind of bring those people in even further. So it has to be kind of using both parts of the speech to fully explain and command attention. So people often ask me, where should I put my hands when I'm speaking? And my response is, I don't know. Um, like the, the hand gestures thing is, um, so, if you're noticing 
are thinking about your hand gestures, then that's probably an issue because your attention is drawn from something else to that. So the best thing to do with your hands is to do what feels right to you and that what feels like an authentic representation of the moment. So Oprah is an interesting example because uh, I'm not, I can't think right now of what she does with her hands, but if she is warm, if she's genuinely authentically warm and has uh, warm feelings or warm commitments to her audience, odds are her hand gestures will be uh, representing that warmth also. There'll be gestures of bringing people in closer, uh, etc. But she wouldn't have to think about that. It wouldn't be like an actor kind of self-consciously reflecting on what hand gesture would represent what emotion. It would come kind of easily to her because it would emanate from her already existing a kind of emotional state. And that's what is that's what authenticity is. Mm -hmm. Oprah, at the very beginning of her show, she always welcomes people in, but she puts her arms out wide. Yeah. Um, and that kind of shows me that authenticity. Um, it's something that she does every single show, just as uh, like Ellen dances at the beginning of her show, but then stops the music with her hand. Um, there's just something authentic about the fact that they are in control of that situation and confident um, to help draw the people around them in. Um, so um, the other thing that I would like to talk about is like one-on-one -on -one with students, sometimes you're still in a public speaking situation or um, with another. So as a Don, this happens to me all the time. And the biggest example that I can give is when you're meeting students for the first time. And you have to really invite those students in. The first impression is really important. And you have to kind of calm their nerves and get that student comfortable, um, but then you want them to come back and speak with you again and kind of start to gain that rapport with them. Um, and I think in a lot of public speaking situations, especially in the classroom, you're doing speeches for classmates that you have in multiple classes or you'll see again or you'll work with. Um, so you have to walk up and invite everyone in to that community um, that you're working with to know that you're going to be talking with them again and speaking with them again in a public speaking setting. Okay. Uh, so what else do, do we want to cover today? Oh, you said, what, are we are we to the place where we have to talk about the, the poor gestures or the distracting gestures? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about those. <laughs> okay. So um, a lot of the time people, when they're giving speeches, they will play with their hair or... Um, play with the windows or look off to the side um, and another thing that people do often is they start the speech with oh sorry I'm sick right now or oh man um, I don't know I know that I'm probably not going to be that good at this but here we go um, and all of those things kind of take your audience's attention away from you um, and make that audience member not really want to be engaged it makes them kind of think that you don't want to be there either um, and through that your audience itself um, really thinks that while you're being authentic maybe in your movements um, and while that might be nerves or something like that um, those body movements really aren't helping with anything so an example that I have is when people are giving speeches kind of for the first time something like that a lot of the time they think that they have to be moving all the time so they don't just like stop and become comfortable and calm in the space that they're in, but rather they walk back and forth across the stage or whatever they're working with. Um, and they point to a lot of things and they use a lot of PowerPoints and they're clicking and moving. Um, and that kind of distracts from the one main point you're supposed to be making within that speech. 
So my favorite example of this, which is a story I never tire of telling because it's so memorable to me, is that I had a professor when I was an undergrad in history who taught uh, two parts. It was a year-long course uh, in American intellectual history, you know, before the Civil War and then after the Civil War. And the only thing I remember from that class is that he would sit on the windowsill and the class had blinds in it and had one of those strings that pulled the blind up and down. And he would sit and tell the class stories, basically, like, I mean, he was teaching us history, but... Uh, and he would play with the the string, uh, and the string, of course, had one of those little plastic things in the end. If you've ever had those uh, normal blinds that you pull up and down, it also has this little plastic nib on the end. And he would play with that thing the whole class, an hour and twenty minutes long, every day for a year. And all I can remember from the, that class is all I can see him is playing with that stupid string. Um, and this is what a kind of distracting behavior is, and what it looks like. And uh, we can forget sometimes that those distracting behaviors can have powerful effects. They can leave these lasting kind of memories on people. And I'm not sure if it was because he was nervous or because it was just, uh, well, I mean, I am sure it was because he was nervous. <laughs> he needed something to fidget with. Um, it was probably because he was nervous about what he was doing, which is odd because he had been teaching that class for years and years and years and years. Um, and in, in some sense, the clutch of the string uh, was meant to distract from his nervousness, but he would have been better off having actually authentically displayed that nervousness in some sort of other fashion, aside from distracting us with this odd fidgety kind of kind of motion. So yeah, sometimes um, I think in public speaking, it behooves us to try and eliminate things that uh, are unwanted instead of worrying about where to put our hands, uh, worry about what not to do and how to stop doing those things that we should not be doing that can lead to this situation like my uh, history professor, if anyone, then I won't. I won't say his name, although I remember his name so discreet, so so kind of clearly because of this, just twirling the the shades or the blinds, the string with the blinds. So, uh, what else do we want to cover? Anything else? I think that uh, lastly, we just want to talk about that there is no way um, to kind of take away that nervousness or that feeling um, you might have. And all the time um, I get this question as, well, how do you become not nervous? How do you not do those fidget things um, if that, that's just like where you naturally gravitate to words? And I think that comes with um, practice and doing and becoming comfortable in a public speaking situation um, over time. But more so, I think that if you're comfortable with the material that you're presenting, um, you can really... Um, not do those distracting behaviors because you're really immersed in whatever you're you're teaching or learning about. Yeah. Okay. So um, I yeah. I mean the the old adage with public speaking is always practice, 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 practice. Uh, for two thousand five hundred years, the way public speaking has been taught is through practice because practice is the only mechanism by which you can improve some of these things. It's also the only mechanism by which you feel a little less nervous the sec the next time you do something. Um, so I, I, I want to just reemphasize this idea of authenticity. Uh, public speaking is a performance art, but it's a performance art that benefits from authenticity. And that authenticity is often carried in or represented by the body. Uh, we were talking in one of my other classes, we were talking about um, how, uh, how the body communicates. And there's this great book by a guy named Jeffrey Stout called Blessed Are the Organized. And in the middle of that book, he's trying to write about what happens in these one-on-one -on -one meetings or these group meetings uh, where people come together to talk about um, social problems. And one of the things that happens is this kind of emotional pluggedness or this sense of emotional resonance that people get when they're 
with other people. And that same thing applies to public speaking. And it's because your body communicates in, in, in what I call pre-reflective ways. So your body says things or does things to an audience before that audience has had a time, had time to think about uh, what it is the body is saying to them. So the body communicates kind of uh, before consciousness happens, before we think consciously about what's going on. Um, and that's what makes it so powerful. So your body is a kind of authentic, whether you like it or not, an authentic communication channel to other people because your body affects other people before those other people have had a chance to, to talk about it, to, to think about what that, is, what that person is saying or doing with their body. Uh, that's why authenticity is so critical or so important to public speaking. Uh, okay, any last words, Laura, or is that, uh, that it? We were on practice, 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 I think is the last word. Yeah, practice, 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 and have your authenticity. Okay, great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back with another episode shortly.